1: Friends, sufferers, fellow humans, lend me your ears such that I may whisper into them. This episode is entitled How Can I Prevent Lower Back Pain and or Sciatica and is episode four in a series of six pillar episodes. If you have not listened to episodes one to three, please do yourself a favour and go back and start at the beginning. Now in the last episode, I focused on the how that was all about big goals and small steps. But in this episode, we're focusing on the what. So exactly what steps should we be taking in order to get right back from the edge? Well, I have an acronym for you. I love a good acronym. And so the acronym is get back from the messy edge. Uh, I've got a little bit of artistic license with my use of letters here, but here goes. So, messy. The M stands for moving. Then we have eating, sleeping, and here's the messy bit, psychosocializing. Now, I know that psycho starts with a P, but for the purposes of our acronym, it's going to start with an S because the P is silent after all. And we're going to tack in the second letter the Y. So, get back from the messy edge. Okay, here's the detail. What is the relevance of moving? Well, you can probably imagine moving is exceptionally relevant when it comes to lower back pain and sciatica. It is very, very commonly the trigger. So, the last thing that pushes you off the edge of that cliff is often a movement. People say, all I was doing was bending over to do this or that, lifting the shopping out of the car, whatever it may be. So movement is very often a trigger. But it's also one of the factors that pushes you towards that edge in the first place. And here, think in terms of loading. So the amount of load that you put through your lower back, not just on a one-off effort, which is often the thing that knocks you off the cliff, but... Cumulatively. So we know that cumulative load, uh, sorry to use technical terms, but there we have it. It's out now, I've said it. Cumulative load, so things that you do on a repetitive basis build up over weeks, months, years to push you closer to the edge. And one of the most common of these is sitting. Now you might say, sitting isn't a movement, it's a posture, and you'd be right. So I'm extending the M of moving to all things related to how you use your body. So it's not just about the moving bit. It's also about static postures. So sitting is something you do for long periods. It's sustained and that puts a constant load on your lower back and you do it repeatedly or at least many people do. So you'll sit for long periods and you'll sit Monday to Friday, perhaps but not just in your office work, if you're an office worker, but also you know on your sofa, on the bus, on the tram, on the tube, wherever it may be. So sitting is very common. In fact, in our practice, um, the latest stat is it's, I think, 74% of our lower back pain and sciatica sufferers say they are worse on getting up from sitting than they are when they first sit down. So that tells me that the loading related to sitting is a factor so it might not be sitting for you it might be standing it might be bending over a cot it might be the way you run around a 400 meter track but movement is a big factor when it comes to pushing you closer to that edge of the cliff so our work in the clinic one of the things we focus on is teaching you how to move well, how to have good movement hygiene, teaching you good postural alignment and so on. Now there are those in the scientific community who will be jumping up and down now saying, but there's no evidence that sitting causes lower back pain or that posture is related to lower back pain. Don't worry, I have read the literature. I'm fully aware of those reviews. However, uh, my argument and that of many researchers is that the problem with uh, that kind of review literature is that you are pulling a huge number of very diverse um, lower back problems and and just calling them lower back problems there's been no attempt to differentiate between one type of back problem and another so uh, i'm not going to dive into the technicalities of the perils of research but Take it from me, clinical practitioner for nearly 30 years, lots of people are made worse and their back problem is maintained and predisposed to by the way they move and the postures they adopt. So there we have moving. Second one is eating. Now that might be a surprise to you, but in under eating, I really am meaning anything that you put in your mouth. <laughs> And that includes cigarettes. Now, I know you don't eat cigarettes, but you do put them in your mouth. Um, and so there is lots of evidence that people who smoke suffer more lower back pain. Ah, shame. Um, so not just smoking. So drinking and eating all of these things that you put into your mouth can have an impact, push you closer to the edge. How is that, you ask? So a number of foods are what we call pro-inflammatory, so they increase your risk of inflammation. Um, And of course, a number of foods and drinks lead to weight gain, and weight gain is a factor for lower back pain. So particularly if you have a very large belly, that puts a sustained load of a particular type on your lower back and makes it very difficult for it to recover. So what you put in your mouth is a risk factor for lower back pain, pushing you closer to the edge. Third one, sleeping. Now, I don't just mean the position that you're in, but actually loss of sleep, lack of sleep is a risk factor for pain, uh, including lower back pain. How does that work? Well, there there may be an element of, you know, not being physically comfortable in bed, not being able to get into positions that ease your back. But when we dive a little bit deeper into the physiology of sleep, we know that getting insufficient sleep increases the alarm in your nervous system and your immune system. Things start to go wrong. And if you go back to, previous episodes. In fact, no, I, I haven't covered that. Ah, I haven't covered that. It's coming in the next episode, more about which later. But stresses, uh, which include lack of sleep, can have a huge bearing on your experience of pain. Finally, the, the SY one, the psychosocializing. I'm going to get technical again here. So the strongest predictor of becoming a long-term sufferer of lower back pain and sciatica the strongest ones are what we call psychosocial so it's all about your beliefs your moods your relationships with others those are the strongest predictors so if we took two people who had if that were possible identical mechanically identical lower back injuries leading to pain the strongest indicator that would predict which of those is likely to have long-lasting pain compared with the other one recovering well? Strongest predictors are psychosocial. Yeah. And again, I will cover that and how that works in much more detail in the next episode. Um, again, so anxiety, people who have anxiety and depression, these are psychological elements tend to experience more pain, not just lower back pain, but headaches, RSI, all sorts of pains. So the psychological and the social. So for instance, people who are stressed at work experience more lower back pain than people who aren't stressed at work. So that's a social element. People who have very supportive partners uh, tend to recover better. People who have over-solicitous partners So by that, I mean, oh dear, poor you, darling, here, take a hot water bottle, do go to bed for three days. So those people don't recover as well and are more likely to experience long-term pain. Interestingly, at the other end of the spectrum, if your partner is someone who says, ah, you'll be fine, and just ignores you or disregards your pain, again, you tend to experience longer-lasting pain. Oh, the perils of relationships. So what you want is a very understanding partner who acknowledges your pain, but encourages you, helps you with your goal setting, helps you to achieve those goals and so on. So the psychosocializing element is very important, uh, perhaps the most important in in many people. So there we have it. Uh, These are the steps that you should be focusing on, the moving well, the eating, i.e. being careful what you put into your mouth, the sleeping well and the psychosocializing well. There will be much more on these individual elements in future episodes of the podcast. And I mentioned the next episode, so in the next episode I'll be talking about, the title of it is, Why Does My Lower Back Hurt So Much? In which I will be telling you a story of being stung by a wasp. Uh, You might wonder what the two have in common, well, You'll find out in the next episode. Finally, to close on this, I want to tie all of this um, messy edge stuff together with a story. And this is a story of a lady I met yesterday. We'll call her, what should we call her? Mrs. Yamaguchi, because that isn't her name. And it just popped into my head. Goodness knows why. I wish I hadn't chosen Yamaguchi because now I'm going to have to say it a number of times. So, Mrs. Yamaguchi came to me. She's in her late 30s and she was experiencing persistent lower back pain. Had done for the last six months and it was slowly creeping down her leg in the last month. She had had lower back pain as a young woman in her early 20s, which seemed to be related to horse riding, but um, that had been fine for many years. And in the last six months, things have been escalating. Now, Mrs. Yamaguchi, moving. So Mrs. Yamaguchi had two young children. Uh, I think the younger one was roughly six months old. Aha. You're putting two and two together here, and the older one was a couple of years old. And when you have children, you move differently, you adopt different postures. So she'd spent long periods um, sitting, feeding the children, the babies. And that is a sustained load and it's cumulative. She did it day in, day out, night in, night out. Um, That meant also that she didn't have as much time for a healthy movement, so she was physically less active in a formal sense. You know, she, as a younger woman, had done a lot of physical activity, but since becoming a mum, there was very little time for that. So her moving was compromised. This is a risk factor. Eating. Now, um, she wasn't a smoker. Um, but her eating hadn't been great um, because of the young children. She wasn't as able, She didn't find the time to prepare good, healthy meals, and so she was definitely eating more processed foods. Processed foods are typically full of seed oils, highly industrialized oils, which are very pro-inflammatory. Interestingly, who knew? Well, I did. Um, now you do. So her eating wasn't great. Uh, she hadn't managed to lose, well, I think she'd only lost about a third of her baby weight. So she was definitely carrying excess body fat. Sleeping, ho, 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 where do we start? The poor woman, uh, she was not getting good sleep. Um, Very common with young children, sleep is disturbed. Not only wasn't she getting enough, but she was now in a situation where she was essentially slightly insomniac. She found it very difficult to get to sleep. And of course, when she was in bed, she couldn't find a comfortable position either. Psychosocializing, well, um, her world had been turned upside down after the first child. She had gone back to work part time, but since having the second one, she has not. And she is aiming at Mrs. Yamaguchi. Um, to be a full-time mum for the next few years. But that's causing all sorts of stresses for her emotionally. Um, things around sort of your, your image, self-image, is has been compromised. So unfortunately, poor woman is struggling with a lot of self-doubt. Is she doing the right thing by not going back to work? They have less money. Um, things are a little bit strained at home. Her husband... Uh, is pretty supportive in terms of her being a full-time mum, but occasionally says, says things, uh, as uh, most men probably do, that are fairly insensitive. And so she's feeling a bit stressed in that relationship and not as supported as she'd like to be. So there's all sorts of psychosocial elements going on too. So there we have it, Mrs. Yamaguchi tying together the moving, eating, sleeping, and psychosocializing elements. Thank you for listening. And as I said in the next episode, we'll be diving into me being stung by a wasp so that I can explain to you why does my lower back hurt so much. I'll see you then.
0: Thanks for listening to the X Backs show. If you found this helpful, please pass along our web address to your friends and colleagues. Active-x.co.uk. And please leave us a positive review on iTunes. If you have any questions related to lower back pain or sciatica, send them in, and Gavin will aim to answer them in future episodes. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at ActiveXBacks.